0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Early Childhood Chatter with Dr. Shipley and Dr. Heald. We will upload a new episode every other week on Wednesdays.
1: Twice a month, we come to you with a quick professional development with new ideas for you to try. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast for notifications about future episodes. We are so thrilled to welcome one of our good friends and colleagues with us today, who is back. Camille Locker is with us. Camille has been in the field of early childhood education for 35 years and has worked in several roles. She's currently an adjunct faculty at several institutions of higher education. Her volunteer work includes serving on the board of the Arizona Association for the Education of Young Children and the Arizona Division of Early Childhood. Camille, thank you so much for being here.
2: Thank you so much for that great introduction (laughs) and for inviting me to
0: share a topic that I am so passionate about. Well, that's awesome because I wanted to talk to you about your title, which is called best practice, but best practice for who? So I'm, I'm curious to find out all about this. So why did you choose this topic?
2: Well, um, I been an advocate for quality programming uh, forever. And I think it all started back when I was in college going for my associate's degree. So that's like a million years ago. (laughs) And that's when I was introduced to the National Association for the Education of Young Children, aka NEYC, or some people say NACI. And that has been my guiding star throughout my 35 plus years career. And so for me, it's just so important, especially with the new revisions that have been made over the past few years and with the reframing of the term best practice.
1: You know, and I think that's really great because we want to make sure we're, you know, knowledgeable on this topic and we want to make sure we understand the topic. So why did NACI decide to actually make the change and, and, and what is the process and even going about that?
2: So whenever, uh, whenever NAEYC is doing revisions to any of their um, position statements, now they're called foundational documents, um, it's a process. And mm-hmm. in particular, with developmentally appropriate practice, um, there have been several influences over the past few years that impacted that change. Um, I think the first one was COVID. Uh, mm-hmm. That opened everyone's eyes to equity and what that really means. Um, during that time, there was stress on different populations with regards to accessibility and especially on the early childhood workforce. You know, and I always say it took a pandemic for society to realize that early childhood education is an early childhood educator's are the essential workforce. Um, so I think that was a that was a major, um, that, that caused a major shift. Also around that time, the murder of George Floyd that brought out the inequities that are impacting the black Americans. There was anti-Asian violence, again, that focused on inequities. So all of these things that happened in our entire society um, brought in a- make these changes and to revise this statement. Um, And the process is, is a little bit daunting, but um, what NAEYC does is they develop, uh, they did develop a developmentally appropriate practices work group, and that pretty much would oversee the work. Then they reach out to the early childhood workforce partners, um, and it's, it's put out for public comment, right? So there's a draft that's created and they put that draft out for public comment. So I know that this process went back and forth several times and I tried to comment and, and, you know, share my ex, you know, my experience, my expertise, my comments, what I'm seeing where I am. And they take all of this feedback, they look at it, the workforce, um, you know, they, they look at this information, they see how much it impacts their draft, they make revisions, then they send it out again. And I I want to say that with the the DAP position statement, I mean I think that there were five or six times that it was put out for public comment. So it's a process when they finally get it all together, then they introduce it. And I, it, this statement was introduced at the end of 2020.
0: So it took a while, years. Okay. Well, that's great. And I love when they come out with new and updated ones. Um, but how does the language that you are using now, how did it change and how will that impact the work that we do with children and families? So,
2: there there were there were a lot of changes in this statement um and and I will say I, I also want to take I guess like a step back because NAEYC has five foundational documents um we know them as position statements and all of these documents are are they're developed by NAEYC but they're really created by us with this public comment process and for me personally the two that I use most often is the code of ethical conduct and statement of commitment and then the developmentally appropriate practices statement however most recently I've been referring to the relatively new advancing equity in early childhood education and that's that's a new uh, a newer statement one of the most recent and that's where a lot of the language, the focus really was a shift in the terminology, so I think that um, for me, and again, like this is this is just like like a, a personal passion for me, the term best practice was the big shift, because I mean you've been in the field a while, and people who are have been in the field even not for a long time best practice is just like part of our lingo like we always say it you know and it's part of our professional jargon and it it supported our teaching strategies so for me that was the big shift um although there were other you know there was additional terminology put in there in and 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 the foundational documents all like play on each other. They're they can be used individually and separately, but you know it's like child development. One domain impacts another. That's the same way these fo- foundational documents are.
0: One impacts right. the other, and they reference there are references to each other. Right. So well, they're so important. And I know as an early childhood teacher, I um, went and looked all the time at the green DAP handbook for (laughs) NAEYC and made sure that I was doing exactly what they said. And I tried to incorporate all those standards into my classroom. And I did that regularly. So out of anything that you would want our audience to know, what is the most important thing about this? Well, um, the most important thing
2: is not the actual statement Um, but it's the mindset, Um, because when there's a shift in jargon, you could say it, and that's a process in and of itself to change the way you speak, but it's the mindset around why you're making those changes. And the, the mindset is, is reflective of culture and it's respecting differences and looking at differences as a positive and not a negative looking at differences as not something that has to be changed or not something that's that's not okay um and and i think that with that mindset you can embrace the change in terminology and when you embrace that i think that's how you make the impact on a major impact on society
0: great okay um what are your major 3 takeaways that you want our listeners to know? Language matters. Definitely language matters.
2: And we are role models and so the language that we use matters and um that's one. Um Okay. I I I I want everyone to know that, well, that the developmentally appropriate practices and all of the NAEYC foundational documents can be found on their website. So if you're not familiar with them, I would hope that people would take a look at them Um, and that differences are strengths and not challenges. But the other thing too, I think that's really important is the, the self-reflection and understanding who we are and when we're making decisions for young children and their families, which is something we do all the time, all day. That's mm-hmm. how we spend our, exactly. our day is, is making decision after decision after decision. Those decisions should be unbiased. And, um, and, and I think all of that plays into the reasoning behind The shift in best practice and in that terminology.
0: Perfect. Okay. What is one challenge you would leave our listeners with? Oh, a challenge. Um, well, can I leave you with two challenges? Sure. (laughs) Go for it. We'll take as many challenges as you want. (laughs) Okay. So
2: the first challenge is instead of saying best practice, if you can try and just use maybe effective practice or appropriate practice that would um that would be the beginning of the shift and the other the other challenge is try to use people first language and if you're not familiar with people first language that is really um people first language is use is is describing is under is the understanding that we are all people first right right so so where you know we don't have in our classroom autistic children but we have children who have autism and even though it's just like a transfer of words that is a major difference that is a major difference because you're not using the ability, disability, characteristic descriptor to explain or identify who we are.
0: So those are my two challenges. Okay. Well, I love it. And as always, Camille, that was wonderful. And we thank you for being here. And we can't wait to chat with you again. Okay. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thanks, Camille. Okay. Thanks. Bye.